Michaela Wilkes. Today, I'm interviewing 19-year-old Marcus Schroeder, who is the co-founder of Warriors for Christ, a coalition of young people from different churches based in Wisconsin with a two-fold mission of bringing the gospel into public square and taking a stand on culture issues affecting America today. Marcus, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So first things first, you know, two weeks ago on July 29th, you were actually arrested at 19 years old. Um, And it's not even that you're 19, but it's more of the reason you were arrested. So for reading the Bible on a public sidewalk, can you give us a brief recap of what happened? Yeah. So earlier that day, we had a speaker um, one of our guys had the speaker, he was walking inside, they had a fenced in area for this drag queen story art, which is where the, the arrest took place. And so they had this fenced in area that they got a permit for inside this public park. And so he was walking in there and one of the officers told him he had to take the speaker outside of the fence. He wasn't using the speaker, by the way. And so he was told, you have to take it outside the fence. You can't have it inside the fence because they have a permit for this area. So we took it outside the fence. A few hours later, I grabbed the speaker and I was outside the fence on the public sidewalk following all the conditions that they had already prior set for us. And I started using the speaker and I was just reading from Galatians 5, which is just simply a passage about what true love is. You know, love is that which fills the law of God, the law of God. It's a definition of love. And I was reading from that because, you know, that word love gets thrown a lot, thrown around a lot in that community. And so I was trying to, you know, just talk about what the Bible says about love. And instantly, you know, the, the beginning of that video that has been shared all over social media and, and such, the beginning of that video was actually the beginning of me uh, using the amplification. So it was that quick that the officers surrounded me. One of them just grabs the microphone from me. A few moments later, another one grabs my arm from behind. They put me in handcuffs and they take me away. I was asking, why am I being arrested? Is there a code I've broken? And and they wouldn't really give me much of an answer. Finally, what it came down to, they they charged me with amplification without a permit and then resisting arrest, which if you watch the video, the resisting arrest charge is pretty laughable. Uh, the, the officer who handcuffed me, I asked why I was being charged with that. He said, because my muscles tensed up. So... Um, yeah, that, that's that's the way that went down. They detained me for probably an hour or so, and then they released me with those two citations, as well as a a warning that if I go on any Watertown public parks for the next two weeks, that I would be arrested on the spot and have to spend time in jail with state charges against me. Wow. So from your standpoint, did the police warn you to turn down or turn off your speaker before at all? No, like if you, that video, that that's the entirety of our our interaction with the police over the amplification. So the police were literally over there, probably 10, 20 feet away. And I set up the speaker here on, on the sidewalk. By the way, the drag queen dance hour that was taking place at that time, they were probably 100 yards away. There was a whole field between us and them. So it wasn't like we were terribly disturbing their event or something like that. Um, so I set up here that our entire interaction with the police is caught on video right there. That, that two minutes, that two minute clip is, is our interaction. So they didn't, he just comes up, not saying anything, just grabs the mic, starts yanking it out of my hand. Wow. And so were you with Warriors for Christ and a few of your friends during this whole event? Yes. Yeah. Warriors for Christ was birthed out of our church and it's, it's a coalition of a lot of young people from multiple different churches in the area. And 
Um, but yeah, my church was there, our Warriors for Christ group, uh, some people from Operation Save America, uh, which we're also connected with, and then other local churches in Watertown. So there are probably about 200 protesters there that day, not specifically with our group, but just in general. Uh, there were a couple secular groups out there too, like Gays Against Groomers and, and other groups. But but yeah, so th- there was quite, quite the presence. I, I'm pretty sure we outnumbered them. They probably had maybe 150 attend there. Probably, wow. probably max 150 attend their, their event. And we had 200 total. Wow. So kind of tell me why you showed up to the park in the first place. I know you're obviously the co-founder for Warriors for Christ, but were you trying to accomplish anything from the beginning? Yeah, we, we've gone to a lot of events like this. And uh, one, one of our focuses in, I guess, this culture war, if you want to call it that, is protecting the innocence of children mm-hmm. and you know protecting children in general children have been under attack for a long time in our culture we've been taught that you know they're not a blessing that you know that they're a burden upon society and so you know we've had abortion and that's something that we used to do a lot of work um, for to help mothers um you know with uh, with other options as well as do things politically with that and then Roe was overturned and the abortion clinics were actually shut down in Wisconsin one of them went out of business. And so we we kind of focus a lot on the LGBTQ movement and specifically the ways they've been targeting children and young children. Three like at that park that day, three, four, five, six year old kids were there, and that is that's very common to see at all these drag queen story hours. And there's dozens of them. It's not like it's a handful. There are dozens of these children brought by their parents to this event. And what what else is interesting is the people who used to work for the abortion clinic that we would see out there who would volunteer for the abortion clinic, be the clinic escorts and whatnot. They're there at these drag queen story hours too, and supporting this. And so, you know, it's this, it's the same movement. It's a, it's a attack upon the family. It's a degradation of human life. It's, um, you know, perverting human sexuality. And so, you know, we were there to share the gospel, pass out tracks, have conversations one-on-one with people, as well as to be a public witness against this uh, for the community, uh, to show, you know, like Watertown, at, I'm pretty sure is a pretty conservative area. And so, you know, show that we don't want this being held in our public park. And so yeah, those were some of our, our reasons behind going and, and why we go to different events is, is really just out of a love for these children, protect the children, you know, don't, don't ruin their minds. These children are going to grow up in 20 years and they're the ones who are going to be running our businesses. And what is our country going to be like 20 years from now, they're going to be running our businesses. They're going to be the ones in, in our government making our decisions for us. And so, you know, now is the time to act before it's too late. Absolutely. And what you're doing in and of itself takes so much courage and so much confidence. And I think, like you said, just the innocence of, of children right now is being attacked. And so for you to take this stand, I truly believe you accomplished what you put your heart and your mind to. Um, and, and to see how the Lord is using it now on a national platform, I think your influence and your original mission is still happening right now. Um, but let's switch gears for a second. So a few days after your arrest, there's this other video that went viral too. You showed up to the Watertown City Council and I watched that video and what you said was just so powerful in front of the whole council and kind of tell me a little bit more of your heart behind that. You know, why did you say the things that you did um, at the city council? Yeah, a lot of, well, first of all, I was addressing the Nazi group, which that's kind of been going around on the news. Um, after my speech, actually, they kind of dropped 
talking about like like I haven't heard anything about the Nazis anymore since then. But there was a group that showed up that day of of men who were dressed in masks with black masks. They they actually looked like Antifa, like the way they were dressed. They looked like like uh, imagine your typical Antifa guy dressed in black one. That's what they looked like. And then they had these flags with the swastika on it, and they came up um, early that morning. By the way, the protest or the event that we were protesting was all day. It was 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So we were there all day. We actually got there like 9.30 before the event started. We were there all day. This group, probably 30, I might say, uh, came up and they started doing different chants, saying, you know, things like um, pedophiles get the rope, um, you know, different different chants like that to garner attention than chanting like blood, blood, blood over and over again. Wow. And, like, um, you know, doing the doing those kinds of things and they got the attention of the media obviously right away they actually had i think one of their own guys recording them as they marched in some sort of media guy they came in they did their thing for about 20 minutes and then they left and we never saw anything from them again and so they came in got a few interviews with the news did their chance got the recording of the news and then left and as soon as they were gone like all of a sudden all the news like our governor tweeted about it all the news was about mm-hmm. that the Nazi group that showed up and everybody talking about how these Nazis were protesting this drag queen event. And then automatically from there, we were automatically, automatically grouped in with them saying that it, like the Christians, like at that city council, in fact, there were LGBTQ activists who spoke before me with their time. And they were talking about the Nazi group and saying uh, that that we were on the same side as the of the fence as they are. That yeah, we might not be the same, but we're essentially the same. We're protesting the same event, and so they were continuously trying to group us in with them. And so I go up there to try and set the record straight, correct people's thinking. First of all, I had never heard of this group before. I've never seen this group before. Have no idea who they are. They show up for twenty minutes and automatically just like that, I'm a Nazi because they showed up, got the attention of the news, and leave. And so there's been some thoughts on like, who are these people even like nobody really knows. Um, Some people think they're for real out of state. Some people don't think they're real. I don't know. We don't know. But all all we know is that instantly we were grouped in with them. And so I come up there and I just point out, I I ask the question, what's wrong with Nazism? I point out if, if you're going to reject Christian morality and say that we're animals, we're the result of evolved stardust, we are literally animals from your worldview, then then what what is the objective standard that you use to claim that this is wrong? Mm. Because you're trying to group us in with them, mm-hmm. but you're actually the ones who have given into the worldview that gives into things like that. And so we're the only ones with a cohesive standard that can that have a, a good argument to say, you know, you shouldn't be murdering millions of people. And so so I just I talked about that. I talked about ideas of tolerance and whatnot. And so I was trying to set the record straight. And that that was actually really good that that video got shared so much, too, because then as soon as that was done, I've heard people talk about that. Essentially, the news dropped that issue. They didn't talk about it anymore. So that was good to hear. Yeah, well, I I even just from watching it, just you totally took a stand for for your faith and for God. And you're so articulate and so well-spoken for 19 years old too. So I think it was really encouraging for even, you know, just older generations to see someone just like on fire to stick up for your faith in a culture of compromise, a culture of chaos. And so kind of just talk a little bit more of that too. I mean, what you said in front of the city council is now becoming kind of your mission and, and your 
you know, heartbeat, heartbeat of this, you know, talking that this talking point that you're saying. So kind of like, tell me, you know, there's a lot of people that are our age that don't want to face the backlash of speaking up for our faith and then being misunderstood and taking a strong biblical stance on cultural topics. And, you know, we think that, oh, all of a sudden we take this stand, we're going to get publicly canceled. Um, so do you ever, did you ever fear that? And do you still fear that? No, what I've told people is look at history. You know, that's the history of Christianity has always been to be the ones who are persecuted. We we live in a very odd moment in history where we're living off of the results of the hard work of Christians who went before us, who literally built us a Christian nation. And so we now live in the midst of a, a very pagan nation, uh, but but we still are reaping a lot of the fruit that from those who came before us. And so that's why we live in this in this nation. And so like you read like Deuteronomy 28, like the blessings and cursings of, you know, God says before Israel, here's my law, you keep my law, here's how I will bless you, here's, you know, here's how I will curse you if you do not keep my law. And what you have seen is, what we've seen as a culture is we're, re we're really reaping the blessings of following God's law, because we were built upon a nation where, you know, the founding fathers, they, they didn't get everything right, they got a lot of things wrong. And, and, but even specifically, more specifically, the Puritan colonies, um, by, by the time of the founding fathers, there was uh, a lot that had actually that had been dropped in, in obeying God's law. You know, there were a lot of deists that had kind of come in. But the Puritan colonies, even before that, were even more explicitly Christian. They had their laws. They would make their laws and then they would write the 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 note. Here's the here's the citation from God's word on where why we're passing this law. And so every law that they passed, they would give a Bible verse for here's our justification for doing so. And so that was kind of the mindset. And so we're reaping those blessings. But as we've rebelled against God's law, we're seeing more and more of the cursings that follow in Deuteronomy 28. Mm -hmm. Where now it's becoming more commonplace to have Christians shut down, have this persecution. And as this starts to happen, we have enjoyed the blessings. Yeah. But we Christians throughout all of history have had to suffer this persecution. And Jesus says, when this comes, when people revile you and they persecute you and they say all manner of evil things about you and they make all manner of false accusations too. So even false accusations, slander, where they're grouping you in with wrong groups and those kinds of things, Jesus says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for so they did to the prophets who, be, who came before you. So okay. that, is, that is the message Jesus had was when this happens, this is something that you ought to rejoice in. It's like one of the one of the the fathers of the faith said, you know, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and it's this idea of the Christian faith is well, the gospel. First of all, is dying to yourself so that you may live in Christ. And we've lost that message of the gospel today, where the gospel today is really just trying to repeat this prayer so that you can get your sins forgiven, so you can go to heaven one day. Which obviously, is, you know. Part of that is true, but the message Jesus was preaching was pick up your cross, deny yourself daily and follow me. And yeah. it was a message of not just saving you for heaven one day, but saving your soul and your body now and redeeming you now, making you a new creation now. And obviously we we live where we're constantly being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. And as that happens, we're spreading that. And the message of re reconciliation in like 2 Corinthians 5 is talking about uh, reconciling the entire world to himself. And so that's the mission we're heading towards is the, all of the nations obeying Jesus, being reconciled to God, 
you know, coming and worshiping him and following his law. And that's when we will see true justice. And that happens, the way that that goes forward is through grains of wheat dying and falling into the ground. You know, Jesus says, how how else will the wheat spread unless the, the head fall, dies and falls into the ground, is buried and planted? And so, you know, these, these thoughts, and, and th there wasn't a ton really that I had to go through um, compared to Christians of old and even Christians in nations surrounding us. And so obviously there is that fear amongst a lot of Christians. Now I might get canceled. My friends might not like me for it. I had a, you know, there was a girl who actually joined our warriors for Christ group and she lived in Madison, which is our capital. It's a pretty liberal city, very liberal city. And she works there. That's where she had her house. That's, you know, she worked there. She had, did a dance company there. You know, she, her community was there and people knew her there. And and so when we were going out and doing ministry, she would get texts from people on her phone, like, hey, we saw you with a homophobic group in Madison. You know, what's wrong? Uh, is everything okay with you? And and then she would get called in. You know, she was worried that she was going to get fired, her her boss. So, so at first, you know, she was very hesitant about this. And so people have that fear. You know, that's a real fear. And, you know, I haven't had... I. I mostly work for Christian businesses, so I don't have that as much, but I know people who like literally have joined our group and like, Marcus, I'm going to get fired for this. What's going to, what are you going to do to help me if I get fired? And so um, fortunately we've, you know, we've built our own Christian businesses here. A lot of people in my church are in the trades and have their own businesses and um, kind of have that entrepreneur mindset, but, but that, that's something, but so, something that I tell those people to think about is, you know, there were Christians in Nazi Germany, Sophie and Hans Scholl. They started an underground resistance movement. They were 20, 21 years old. And they were beheaded uh, once they were found out as the starters of the White Rose resistance. And, and they were going to college during that day. They had their own dreams, their own plans for what they were going to do with their life. They were going to college. They, they, they were working to be, they, they had their goals and visions for life that they wanted to reach. And those were all cut short. And they did so because they knew that standing for truth in that moment was more important than whatever vision or the comfort of this earthly life around us. Mm -hmm. And so I point to people like that and say, yeah, not to uh, minimize what we have to face here, but to a certain extent, we have to look at this in context. You know, this is what they did. If, if we can't, st if all we face is losing our job, if all we face is being arrested, you know, having some citations given, if that's all, if that's the extent of what we face, us getting canceled, our platforms being taken away, then, and, and we won't stand because that's the threat, then we would never stand if we were in Nazi Germany and wow. faced the kind of tyranny that they were facing or any other country, any other country, once it fully gives itself over and rebels against God's law, turns into a totalitarian state like that. Mm -hmm. And if you can't stand now, then a hundred years from now, 50 years from now, if things get worse and more out of control, then there's nobody who will stand. Uh -huh. And and now is the time to stand before things get that bad. And so, so that's typically what I point to as well as the fact that, you know, if the gospel message is truly dying to yourself and living for Christ, then there is nothing that we have to fear. That right. if, we, if we are truly dead to ourselves, our old selves have passed, they've been crucified with Christ, then the comforts of this earthly life should mean nothing to us. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, if, if we are afraid of what might happen for us taking a stand for truth, us taking a stand for the Christian faith, for the Christian worldview in every aspect of life, if we're afraid of the consequences, then we have to ask ourselves, have we truly died to ourselves? Yes. Have, are we actually picking up our cross and following Christ? Or are we just following Christ in a way where it's comfortable and, and we're just following Christ as long as the path is easy? So good. No, that is so good. I really do believe that when you die to yourself, it looks so different from the world. And I think you're just um, an amazing example of that. I think it's really impactful and powerful too, that you were even wearing a shirt. I don't know if any listeners know this, but you were wearing a shirt that said, I will stand for truth, even if I stand alone as you know, you were being arrested. And I I remember reading or hearing maybe from the um, city council meeting that you actually found it as an honor um, to be arrested for your faith. And I think that's such an interesting perspective to come from, because like you said, I mean, to truly die to yourself and say, God, like this is all for you. Um, you know, it is, is, it is almost an honor to be recognized. And so kind of just like talk about that coincidence of wearing that shirt and being arrested and swept away. Yeah, that was actually really cool. Um, be, you know, that was wearing that shirt that day. That was actually the shirt that we had for our Warriors for Christ conference. Mm-hmm. We do a conference every year, um, typically in June. And, and so we've, we've got, we get all these young people together and we do training, training sessions in the night. And then we go out and do ministry and activism during the day. And it's just a really great time. And in fact, the, the first year that we did it, we planned the dates months beforehand, had no idea about the Supreme Court with the Roe decision. You know, the, wow. the draft hadn't even come out. It just so happened the first day of our first conference, Roe was overturned as we were standing outside of the abortion clinics in Milwaukee. And so, you know, it's just a, kind of an amazing moment there, but but the quote, so the, the theme of our conference this last year was, I will stand for truth, even if I stand alone. And that quote was from Sophie Scholl, the one who was beheaded at 21 um, by the Nazis. And, you know, just go read some of her writings. It's completely phenomenal. Like the, like the way that she spoke up for her faith. She has been an inspiration to me. She's probably one of my favorite people in history. And you can read all of her writings. The The way that they resisted the Nazis, it was, it was, um, her brother and her were writers and they wrote these pamphlets speaking against against the Nazis and calling the Germans to action before it was too late. So this was, uh, some of it was before, um, you know, th- they knew a lot of what Hitler was all doing, but they, they knew he was doing bad stuff, but they didn't know the full extent of it. And obviously they, they wouldn't know the complete extent of it until after the war, but but they they knew that he was murdering Jews. They knew that he was, he was, you know, doing evil things to their co- their countrymen. And so they started writing these pamphlets, calling upon Germans to act before it was too late. And they would pass these out secretly. And then at the bottom of the pamphlet, they would say, if you, if you get this, reprint it and distribute it yourself. And so the way that happened is, so they would write these in secret. And then all of a sudden the next morning, um, all these mailboxes in Munich, Germany were filled with these pamphlets. And then from there there were resistors who would see that and then start spreading it themselves. And so it actually spread across the nation, thousands of these pamphlets being given out. And as that happened, then Hitler actually assigned a specific uh, team of Gestapo agents whose only job was to find out the writers of those pamphlets because it was so decentralized 
and the, the, the original authors did it in secret. And then from there it was just being spread. And so it's like, well, where did you get the pamphlet? It was like, I just, it just showed up in my mailbox. And so they couldn't find where the original author was until one day, um, Sophie and Hans, they're passing them out at a college campus and classes were in. So everybody was in their classroom. And so they thought they were safe. And Sophie steps over the balcony and throws a handful of them down. And the janitor was down there. And within a few moments, um, an entire team of Gestapo agents shut down the university, came in, questioned Sophie and Hans. And they tried to play like they were just one of the ones where it showed up, like they weren't the authors, but they were found out and as well as Christoph Probst. And so that that was, you know, some of her writings. Uh, that's where Sophie said, I will stand for truth, even if I stand alone. She said things like I knew what was I was getting into, that I was risking my life. And I knew the consequences, like Jesus says, you know, count the cost before you come. Don't just come to Christianity because it's, you know, it's nice and everybody is doing it. So it's count the cost. And she, she said she had counted the cost and she knew what she was getting into, that she was risking her life in doing so. And yet she knew that it was worth it um, for the sake of standing for truth, even if she stood alone. And all those, by the way, all those pamphlets that they wrote have been translated into English. You can go read them online. Just look up White Rose Leaflets, powerful writing. And you just read what they wrote in there. Just powerful, powerful words. And then Sophie Scholl's last words before she was beheaded, um, her last recorded words, she said that, how can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone willing to give themselves up for a righteous cause? Mm. She said, it such a fine sunny day and I have to go. But what does my death matter if through us thousands of people are awakened and called to action? And so that that is the the history of that story of, you know, it's one example amongst many of what Christians have done throughout all of history and all, all these different cultures with where they go and preach the gospel to cannibalistic cultures or or when Amy Carmichael, she goes into India and she finds out that they're practicing temple prostitution with eight, nine year old girls and they're using them for these sexual performances that she went and started saving these girls from from temple prostitution or William Carey, who was you know, known as the father of modern missions, went to India and he started saving children from, from uh, child sacrifice. They practiced that too. And also, by the way, both from the work from William Carey and Amy Carmichael, both child sacrifice and temple prostitution were abolished in India um, directly because of their work. And so that that's the kind of work that has gone on from William Carey, Amy Carmichael, Sophie Scholl, all these Christians throughout history where they were not willing to count their life as greater than the, the lives of others. It was the it, it was the, the result of what true love looks like when it's carried forward in the Christian life. And, you know, that's some, another thing Sophie said is that I will hold on to the rope that God has thrown me in Jesus Christ, even when my dumb hands can't feel it anymore. And so that was the faith that she had that was able to carry her forward through those moments. And we live in moments now that are getting increasingly dark in our culture, but we're yes. not even close to where they were. Mm -hmm. And so if we can't stand now again, like once we're there, what's going to happen to us? And so th this is the time to stand yes. mm -hmm. before it gets too late. Absolutely. Thank you so much for just sharing that too. And I mean, you truly are a warrior for Christ and thank you for taking the stand and then also just urging more leaders in our generation within the faith to do the same and your actions 
obviously have spoken louder than words. And I think it's so encouraging um, to young men your age, our age, um, to just see that, you know, in confidence and courage and dying to ourselves, making more of Jesus, we can fight this culture war and we can continue to speak up and speak out against the lies that are being thrown upon us and convincing us that we have to believe. So just want to say thank you so much. Um, One last question. If you have any piece of encouragement for our generation in today's um, faith and culture war, what would it be? Man, I feel like I gave a lot of it. Um, Let's see if I had another thing. I'd just say go out there and be faithful in doing this ministry because a lot of people, you get engaged in this kind of uh, culture. You get engaged in this kind of fight and automatically you're going to have resistance, obviously from the other side, but the, the hardest resistance to bear is resistance that comes from fellow Christians because We live in an American Christianity that has kind of taught us that it's spiritual not to be engaged in politics, not to be engaged in the culture, to kind of leave those issues alone. And, you know, we're just looking for heaven one day. We don't need to be concerned of the things of this earth, which actually, like, historically speaking, is a very Gnostic kind of view of the world, which is an ancient heresy that the Christians very adamantly fought against. And so we've really received seeing that revival of Gnosticism in our churches today, where you continuously, I had a pastor I sat down with uh, who I was trying to convince to just tell his church about the conference. I didn't want him to partner, just just let them know that it's going on. Mm-hmm. And he said no, because, you know, and he's a good Christian pastor. He he believes all the right things. He knows homosexuality is a sin. He knows abortion is murder. He, he said, and he will say those things from the pulpit too. But yeah. he says, it's crossing the line to go into that culture in that culture war. That's not our mission as a church. And obviously Jesus told us, disciple the nations, uh, teach them to obey all that he has commanded us. And so we have to ask ourselves, is the, is the culture a part of the nations? Are these individuals a part of the nations? Are families a part of the nations, businesses, education, uh, the government, politics, all these things are is a part of the nation. And Christ tells us to disciple the nation to obey his commands. Mm-hmm. And he starts that command with saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So in the realm of government, Christ has all authority, which means that they are required to obey him. In the realm of business, education, Christ has all authority in those areas. And that's the basis upon which he says to disciple them and teach them to obey Christ's command. So of course it starts with individuals. It starts with individual hearts, but that ought not to stop there. It ought to expand into all of life, every single aspect of life. And that that's when you see Christian nations. That's, that's what we're living off of the fruit of, as we mentioned before. So my encouragement is just go out there and start doing this ministry, start um, taking a stand for truth, yeah. Uh, start start taking a stand for what you believe in, regardless whatever the cost is going to be, regardless if you're going to fail that paper in class, regardless of whether or not you're going to lose that job, regardless of if you're like the hardest thing is probably regardless of if your family is going to hate you for for it or or distance themselves from you for it. Just go take a stand anyway. And as you do that, stay faithful in it, because a lot of times you're going to start doing it and you're not going to see a lot of fruit. And that's why it says in Galatians, you know, do not grow weary in doing good for in due season, we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. And so the, the way that the gospel works, it's like a mustard seed that grows into a large tree. And so you're not going to see the large tree, sometimes not even in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. 
But what you're doing is you're going out and you're planting those mustard seeds and praying that, that those mustard seeds, some of them will take root. And years from now, some of them will turn into trees. And most of the time, you're not going to see a lot of fruit. And that can be hard to do. But if you stay faithful, you will eventually see fruit. And I've seen transgender people who were working for the abortion clinic, you know, trying to escort mothers in there to murder their children. I've seen them save and now they come out and they join us. Like I, I've seen things like that happen. So when people say, you know, it's not effective or it's not going to work, it does work. It's just, you have to stay faithful at it and, you know, leave the results to God. Duty is ours. The results belong to God. And sometimes it's like, as we're fishing for men, it's like Peter, when he's fishing and he's not catching any net or any fish in his net. And there are times when that can be hard and you, you just feel like giving up. But then shortly thereafter, that's when Christ comes into the scene and says, you know, cast your net on the other side. And Christ is fit to have your net start to break with the amount of fruit that you're gathering. And Christ obviously ends that passage with saying, I will make you fishers of men. And so in that same way, there will be times when our nets will be empty. But if we stay faithful at it, Christ is going to bless that faithfulness uh, in the ministry with, with the fruit that we're looking for. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that godly reminder and just the encouragement and the wisdom that you've shared today. I know so many people are going to continue to be blessed by your stand and your faithfulness, but then also warriors for Christ and what you guys are doing. And just thank you for that reminder of just taking the stand, even if we are alone. So thank you, Marcus. We are just praying blessing, provision, and just God's favor and faithfulness over your life. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And also, if people want to stay in yes. touch with the group and what we're doing, uh, we've got a YouTube channel, Warriors for Christ Studios. And then we just started a podcast. We have two episodes out, but we've got, um, we're, we're going to be doing it every week. And so we've got the Warriors for Christ podcast, which right now is on Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube on our YouTube channel. And then shortly in, in the future, we should be getting on Spotify and things like that. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. If you guys can go follow him, like, subscribe, all the things to continue to support you. And we wish you all the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Be Brave and Beautiful podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, leave a rating and follow us on Instagram at Be Brave and Beautiful. See you next time.